Hi everyone and welcome. This is the Be Well, Be Safe, Be Happy, Eat Ice Cream podcast and I'm your host, Coach Brad. This podcast is about all things related to love, life, health, and the pursuit of happiness. Every week, I'll interview a different guest who is setting a new standard and redefining what it means to get the most out of life. With that, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast once again, everyone. This is Coach Brad. I'm your host as always. And as always, it's the Be Well, Be Safe, Be Happy, Eat Ice Cream podcast. And I have another awesome, awesome, awesome guest today. I'm here talking with health coach, uh, certified national board certified health coach and Canadian fitness professional, Aaron Power, uh, who is coming to us from, remind me again, Aaron, is it Ontario? Alberta. Alberta. Oh, darn it. I, I've, I've talked to so many folks from Canada. I'm getting my, my locations confused, but uh, welcome to the podcast, Aaron. Thanks so much for being here. I sure appreciate it. Thanks, Brad. I'm excited. I love the eat ice cream part. I'm, <laughs> I saw it was written on your webpage too a little bit. We'll, we'll get into the, the eat ice cream part, uh, what I mean by that. But I was really impressed with your website and know you've been on this journey for a while, but you teach something called an effortless relationship with food. What the heck does, what is that? What the heck do you mean by that? And I would love to have that too, by the way. <laughs> would you? Oh, well, I mean, it's, Honestly, it's, I think how we're meant to engage with food. I don't really think food is meant to be micromanaged the way it is. And um, I guess the origin of the effortless relationship with food tagline, you know, the short version of it is that I've been in the fitness industry forever, literally forever, since I was legally allowed to enter it at age 18, I became a personal trainer and a fitness instructor. I also had a full-time okay. career. So I was doing the gym stuff like as my side gig. And I was really, really interested in fitness only because I had kind of honestly a disordered relationship with my body, like true straight facts. Like I do love exercise, but I also recognize that I got into fitness because of body dysmorphia and disordered eating. Oops. <laughs> so I had kind of an obsessive relationship with exercise and an obsessive relationship with food that kind of went alongside that. And truly that's just, that's just our conditioning. We've just been, we've just been programmed to believe that you're supposed to micromanage food and nutrition, you know, earn it and burn it, count it and weigh it and measure it. And that's how, how I was raised. I was raised with a mom who dieted for my whole life and her mom dieted for her whole life and mm. diet culture. So it goes. So the long and the short of it is this stopped working for me in my early thirties. I was doing everything right. And my body was not responding in the way I expected. And that's something that I hear from my clients all the time. I'm doing everything right. And I'm not getting no results, whatever that means, mm. no results. Right. So I, um, I got, had a little diagnosis, a pre-diabetes diagnosis, which didn't make sense for a person who was obsessed with dieting and exercising, but there it was. And that annoyed me. I was very annoyed. It's like, if I'm pre diabetic like it doesn't even make sense. How am I pre-diabetic? How did I screw this up? I did it right. I was never a junk food eater. I was never sedentary. I did everything right. So my annoyance is what led me to learn. My frustration and my anger is what led me to learn, want to learn about my body because what had been told to me, well, it just wasn't working anymore. Like, screw that. I'm not doing it anymore. I want to learn instead. I want to fully understand. So, and I'm, I'm sure Brad, you did the same thing. I think health coaches, like we, skew that way we 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 don't just accept we get to a point where we don't accept what's been told and we want to figure it out for ourselves so figured it out for myself learned that oh the body actually knows exactly what it needs oh 
of course it does. It's nature. That's how nature works. It's all kind of figured it out. Like, hello, why we never had to micromanage this. So I went to nutrition school. This is, this is literally where this tagline came from, which is why I'm okay. trying to I went to nutrition school. Um, I still had my full-time job, but I, I was getting so excited about learning all this nutrition stuff that I wanted to make a move into somehow helping people. So I went to a, a nutrition school and got a registered holistic nutritionist designation from a brick and mortar school here in Canada. It was like a two-year full-time diploma program. And the program, the curriculum wasn't really my cup of tea. It was very plant-based and very weird chakra-y kind of okay. <laughs> very, very stuff. That I, I, know what, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> But I was sitting in the, in the classroom one day and we were in, I feel like we were in nutritional pathology class or cellular biology class. I can't remember one of the science classes, which I was excited about. And the instructors were making this so incredibly fussy uh, the different possible nutrient insufficiencies. You can have all the supplementation regimes our clients needed to go on meal time or meal, not meal timing, meal, uh, food combining. Like you can't eat this with that. You shouldn't eat this with this. And I was just in the back of the room thinking, this is so complex. What are we doing? We're a bunch of like nutritionists about to go out into the world and further bewilder the health consumer. I was like, no. So I bought my web domain, in the back of the classroom, eat simple and uh, achieve an effortless relationship with food that, that honestly came to me in that moment when I was sitting in the back of the class being frustrated by even more confusing nutrition information. So I just decided I was going to stop it. And it is what gets me out of bed in the morning, folks who are just done with this fussy relationship with food fixation and diet dogma. Um, but there are struggles with it too. I'm going to be honest with you, it struggles because yeah, we are so deeply programmed into dieting that uh, it's hard for people to actually practice having an effortless relationship with food. It's incredibly challenging for people, believe it or not. And I don't want you to give away all your, all your secrets here, Aaron. Uh, Aaron just mentioned real quick her website. Yeah, eatsimple.ca uh, for anyone that is, is more interested in this. But uh, so you kind of just gave us a little bit of background about how you developed this and your, your prehistory about your relationship with food. So what does it mean exactly then to have an effort, effortless relationship with food? Does that mean I can eat anything I want and enjoy it or uh, like ice cream, for example? But <laughs> This is a good example. And I might, I might circle back and use ice cream as a specific anecdote, but your question is so good. What is an effortless relationship with food? And believe it or not, even though I've been um, peddling it for eight years or so now, it's still hard for me to articulate because I live it. I live an effortless relationship with food. And, but the thing is my clients don't, right? So I get to connect back to what the effortful relationship with food is like through them. Mm. And I can see the gaps. Like I'm here, they're there. They want to get here. How can I tell them what it feels like to be here? So it's, it's a question I have to answer quite often. And I, I still to this day struggle with it. Um, but essentially an effortless relationship with food would be that there is no permission. There is no forgiveness. There's no punitive. I ate that. Now I have to do this or any preemptive. I'm going to eat this. So I better do this. There is no that not that there's no thought around food. I do think we should think about food. I do think we should understand food. I'm a staunch advocate for um, collecting the data around food. Okay, but but any food choice you make is not uh, a mark on your character. It has nothing to do with with who you are as a person. But it's also not like 
a free, it's not a free for all. Okay. So I'm going to go back to your ice cream example. I okay. love that you're, I love that you're into ice cream. What I know about me, Aaron, me, just me is that when I'm eating ice cream, as I'm eating it, I'm feeling ill. <laughs> like I'm getting immediately bloated. I'm getting immediately crampy. I'm immediately getting like a histamine mucus kind of thing going on as I'm eating it. Wow. It's not even enjoyable to eat it. Right. So I don't, I don't opt into ice cream. It's just like, yeah, I don't want to feel like that. Sometimes I do. And when I do, I say, Ooh, ice cream. I know I'm going to feel like hot garbage, but it's worth it. Like, at least I know. So one of the examples that I use often in my practice, because ice cream doesn't really do it for me, to be honest with you, for all the reasons I just mentioned, it's yummy, but it also just feels <laughs> terrible for me, for me. <laughs> but one of the examples I use is popcorn, ah, which is one of my most beloved snacks. Like Mine too. Right. And I mean, I buy the organic popping corn. I I'm cooking it in coconut oil. I'm grass-fed butter, organic, you know, Himalayan sea salt. It's the healthiest popcorn I, you know, in air quotes you could have, right? On paper. But in my body, it's not good. And the thing with popcorn is it's really yummy in the moment. It doesn't have that in the moment sort of sort of regret that ice cream does, but it's delayed. <laughs> it's like for two days after, I have symptoms like complete brain fog. Um, I can't get my contact lenses in my eyes are dry. That's not why I'm wearing my glasses today, by the way, but oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, I didn't even notice that actually. Yeah. You've got glasses on today. Yeah. Yeah. So when I, but I love popcorn, like I love popcorn way more than I love ice cream. So for me, it's like, Ooh, I'm kind of want some popcorn. Then I just, without any judgment, think to myself, well, it's going to be two days of gut rot and brain fog. Is that worth it? And sometimes I'll even look at my schedule and say, you know, I've got a class to teach or I've got a presentation to give or whatever. I can't really risk brain fog. I'm just going to pump the brakes on this. I'll do it after I'll have popcorn later. And there's no, sh I'm not bummed about it. It's like, mm, it's okay. It's not a good time for popcorn. And then when I do opt into popcorn, I opt into it like a grown ass adult who knows I'm going to have brain fog and gut rot. Right. So, but I never have to atone for that sin because I opted into it with all the information. So the effortless relationship with food, sometimes you're eating food that doesn't feel good or you're eating food. And there's a big part of it that is enjoying every bite of food you eat. Like every piece of every bite should be amazing. So this is like, I'm not going to eat a chicken breast. I'm not going to eat an egg white omelet. Those aren't, I, I don't want a rice cake. I've never enjoyed them. I'm going to only eat food I love. So with my clients, for example, they'll say, Aaron, I know you love beef. I don't really like beef. It's like, don't eat it do not eat it. There's no dogma here. Eat what you love. Of course, I have some parameters around how I think my clients should eat and how humans should eat, but the effortlessness comes from collecting data, running experiments, mm. collecting the data, and then just operating from this place of information. And my list is different than your list right. and everybody's list. So it's collecting the data, uh, doing the experimentation, which is basically the food and then the results are what that food will do to you. Yep. And so if I'm understanding you, then this effortless part is knowing that you're about to eat something, but then knowing what it's going to do to you, like at a, at a metabolic level or a biochemical level or something like that. Is that, is that kind yeah. of, it's an, it's an important part. It probably doesn't sound very effortless to a lot of people like, oh, this lady's asking us to run experiments to uncover what foods makes make us feel terrible. And the thing is, that we're probably eating food that makes us feel terrible anyway. We just haven't noticed. Yeah. And all I'm right. asking is for people to notice and just connect in with the inner wisdom of their bodies rather than this extrinsic, um, these extrinsic influences from diet culture. 
you know, like diet culture would have told us, for example, that air popped popcorn is a healthy snack. Well, not for me, it isn't because <laughs> it makes my guts rotten. Corn just doesn't do it for me. Right. So the wisdom of the body, I guess, as corny as that sounds, and, and honestly, trusting that your body is a perfect marvel of biological technology, probably one of the most amazing technological advancements that's ever been created is what we're walking around in. It's designed perfectly, but we've been conditioned to ignore the signals from our body and just micromanage them. Like, like as though our bodies are stupid and don't know what to do. And I'm, I'm done with that. Yeah. People listening at home can't can't see me nodding my head up and down right now on, on the video like Aaron can, but uh, no, that, that makes complete sense. Society has told us to think one way and ignore these signals from our body. I think that's huge. That's, that's like, uh, what, what do they say? Well, we just had St. Patrick's Day in America. We talk about the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. That's literally the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, what you just said, listening to the, the biofeedback that your body is giving you. And we've been trained to ignore that mm -hmm. um that is, that is huge so how can we start what what tips do you have to start paying attention to that i guess mm -hmm. to start okay, listening well, to your body i guess yeah so the listening to so unfortunately listen to your body has become such a cliche okay. and i i honestly am like i hesitate to even like hitch my wagon to it because it's like oh here we go again listen to your body but for <laughs> me it's like it's like listen trust and respect, listen, trust and respect. So one place that I start with my, with my clients, with anybody, honestly, anyone. So if you go to my website, you can download my eight simple rules. This is sort of my little freebie that pops up on my website. And the first rule of my eight simple, eight simple rules, that's a mouthful, but Hey, whatever we like. It to work, so. <laughs> rule, rule number one is always answer hunger with a meal. So Okay. That seems pretty, okay. Pretty easy on paper. People are like, what should I make my meals out of? What should it be? How much of what? And, you know, I need to weigh it. Should I count it? How much protein, how many carbs? It's like, mm, don't worry about that for now. When you feel hunger, answer it with a meal. And that's the first step. So I want you to experience the sensation of hunger. And then also, where do you feel it? Do you feel it in your stomach? Because that's where you should feel it. Do you feel it in your mind? Are you completely preoccupied with hangry anxiety? That's good to know too. That's a little bit of a sign of a metabolic dysfunction, but whatever, we're not here to solve that. I want you to connect to hunger, acknowledge that you're hungry, understand that the sensation of hunger is technically coming from your cells, which are asking for nourishment. The cells are saying this body needs nourishment. That could be, that could be fuel or energy. It also could be amino acids or minerals or any of the other nourishment bits the body needs. The cells are queuing it up, sending the signal to the brain, asking and the brain sends the hunger signal, which tells you to go and procure some food. And mm -hmm. we are so disconnected from hunger. Like, Ooh, I should wait. It's not my, you know, it's not supper time yet. Or, or I, I don't know, I had, I'm fasting right now or whatever, or I'm, you know, whatever the case may be. But to me, it's like, when you feel hungry, go answer it with a meal, have a full meal of food, which is a really weird turn of phrase, but can, can, can I jump in? Can I jump in real quick, Aaron? You said something that, that, makes me curious. I know I, you've probably heard of Pavlov's bell and, and the experiment, you know, he rings the bell and the dog salivates. How much of what you just said, you know, the, the stomach sends a, a, a signal to the brain, you know, that says we're hungry. Well, how much of that is, is we've been conditioned, you know, by Pavlov's bell, you know, it's, we're supposed to eat breakfast, we're supposed to eat lunch, or we're, we're supposed to eat dinner or whatever. That's great. It's, it's huge. It's huge. So for people who are just starting this, 
like, for example, let's say you're coming off um, an, a many small meals paradigm. Maybe you're one of those people who, like I was, that eats their ground turkey and brown rice every two hours, like a good little bodybuilder. So you're, you've, you've trained your body to eat every two hours. So it's probably going to queue up hunger pretty frequently. That's fine. That's totally fine. We're not going to judge that. We're just, we're working on it. But instead of eating with the clock, because your trainer told you to eat at 10 o'clock and 12 o'clock and two o'clock, just when you feel hungry, go get your meal and eat it. And this, but the flip side to this is eat to satiety, eat until your body says to put the fork down. Now there's a whole bunch of ways we can optimize satiety, which we haven't gotten to yet in, in the, in the rules. This is honestly just a practice, feel hunger, trust it and answer it, feel hunger, trust it, answer it, eat to satiety, and then carry on with your life. When you feel hungry again, trust it, answer it, eat to satiety. This is honestly just, um, this is more of like an embodiment of like tr actually like trusting your body's hunger signals. Now there's other things we layer in where over time, your hunger will start to spread out because mm -hmm. your body's starting to figure out how to fuel itself in between meals, which is great, but you're not there yet, but this is the first thing. And I always tell my clients, listen, I don't care if you eat once a day, three times a day, 47 times a day. I don't care. All I want you to start with is answering hunger, eating a meal, eating to satiety, rinse and repeat just practice trusting hunger and eating to satiety, which we also don't do because if you're like me and you had your perfectly portioned little lunch meal, you would eat it until it was gone and then wait for two hours and then eat your next little perfectly portioned thing. Yeah. I know not everybody eats like that, but just as an example, this is eat until you are satiated and satiety is the feeling of just, I'm putting the fork down, I'm done. Or, or yeah, just for folks listening, satiety or, or eat to satiation, just till you're full, I like to say, just, mm -hmm. yeah, until you're full and, and put the fork down. Uh, let me ask you this, Aaron. So in, in the health coaching world, we talk about this 80-20 relationship, you know, 80% of the time you're eating, I'll, I'll use a generic cliche phrase, healthy eating, and then 20% of the time you're eating, well, literally the ice cream or maybe the, you know, my case, French fries once in a while or something or uh, uh, anything like that. So when you're eating that 80% healthy, is that still developing that relationship with food? Or are we only talking about that 20% that non-healthy food type of stuff? I think your relationship with every bite of food should be awesome okay. and exciting and effortless. And even like, so the 80, 20 rule, I mean, I, I, I get it. Like I'm, I buy into it in a manner of speaking. I also think that now we're putting parameters around it too, which I I'm not, I'm not really in love with parameters around food. It's just like, just live your life and eat food and, mm -hmm. and don't worry about even having parameters, but, but I totally get it in theory. Um, even from the perspective of the 20%, the treats, right? So this is a conversation I have with clients all the time. They'll say, Oh, well, I, I totally screwed up this weekend. I had this lame, whatever candy bar. And I'll be like, okay, well, tell me, tell me about this candy bar. Like, what was the, what's the deal? Like what, what led up to it? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? What, which candy bar did you get? And did you love it? Was it amazing? And they're like, no, I was just like, I was just emotional. And I grabbed it out of the vending machine. It was half stale and I just ate it and ugh, I shouldn't have eaten it. It's like, honestly, it doesn't sound like you enjoyed it. So yeah, I wouldn't have eaten it. Like if I'm going to indulge in something, I'm going to make sure it's like a beautiful creme brulee or, or fries or whatever, something that I'm really going to love. Because you sort of throw away, whether you're throwing away enjoyment on a treat food or a healthy food, it's, I feel like it's a missed opportunity to just love your food. So I really want my clients, even when they're having their treats, I almost don't even use that language. It's like, whatever you ate, you ate 
cake at your, at your daughter's birthday party. Who cares? Like it just, you ate cake. Of course you did. Was it amazing? Did you love every bite? And they'll say, well, you know, it was the first bite was pretty good. The second bite was pretty good. It got pretty sweet after a while. Now I'm just eating it because it's there. And it's like, that's good to know. Like you're not even really enjoying it. Right. There's just a bunch of awareness and we have to do this awareness without any judgment. And that's why I take the parameters away. It's not like, oh, that cake's in your 20%. You only have 17.3% left. So watch yourself, right? Like I would never Who's do counting, that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I read something in a blog once upon a time, and let me ask your opinion on this, that so an effort, effort, ah, I just, for whatever reason, that word doesn't want to come off my tongue, effortless relationship with food not just what you're eating, but how you're eating. So I read, you know, turn off the TV, you know, don't hurry through your meal, but kind of really like savor, enjoy each bite. Is that, is that part of this also that we just kind of rush, 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 you know, we're so go, go, go. We are. Um, so I guess I'm a little bratty about stuff like this because that'd be really nice. That'd be really nice if we could all push away from our desks and set yeah. the table and lay the, the nap, the napkin across our lap and put our fork down between bites. I'm telling you, I'm almost always eating at my desk. I'm almost always eating on the run. Cause I got a lot of things on my plate. Mm. And if somebody said to me, your make or break is going to be how mindful you eat. It's like, well, I'm out. I, I just, most of the times can't, mm-hmm. but even like mindful eating. Yeah. That's what I was thinking of. Right. So, so for me, it's like, I think we can still have this food enjoyment, even if we're in a rush. So here's an example. Like I, I literally do this every day. I get up in the morning and I have my green tea and I look at my calendar and I see what appointments I have. And it's like, Ooh, there's 20 minutes there. I'm going to barbecue a steak in that 20 minutes. And I have it already thawed in the fridge. Cause I already know that my schedule is like out of control. And then later on, I have time where I can roast a chicken there. And then while I'm on my zoom, you know, whatever, I'm always thinking about where I'm going to slide in cooking food and eating it, but it's literally in the afterthought moments of my day. But even when I do like get off this call, go grill that steak. And I'm standing at the kitchen counter, eating it before my next meeting, I'm still loving it. It's like, man, this is great. And I think about it in this context, it would be just as easy for me to fly to a drive-through in 20 minutes, grab whatever lame burger and eat that just to get, just to eat. Cause I'm running out of time. But for me, it's like, no, that wouldn't be yummy. Oh, I, I have time to grill a steak. I've got time to eat a steak. I have the, I guess the flexibility since I'm working at home, but, um, even I think it's still possible to have an effortless relationship with food, to have really great metabolic health, to, to love every bite of food you eat, even if you're eating on the fly. In fact, we have to consider it. Cause if, if I said to my clients, look, you're going to have to eat mindfully. They'd be like, I don't have time. So I have to meet them where they're at. I think there's a lot of health coaches that will help their clients really slow that down, but I'm not, I'm, I'm more, I'm not that coach. I work with people who are overbooked and busy and hyperproductive and don't have time for that truly. Okay. No, that makes a lot of sense. And let me also point out real quick for anyone who's more interested in this idea of effortless relationship with food. Erin wrote a great blog uh, on her website, eatsimple.ca on the top. I'm using hand gestures here, Aaron's watching me, but nobody at home can see me. Um, On the top menu bar, it says blog. You click on that blog and you scroll down and there's one specifically titled Effortless Relationship with Food. And Aaron, you walked through this great example about a grilled cheese sandwich, which happens to be one of my favorite. I don't know, do you remember that blog at all by chance? No, I really haven't touched my blog in ages. I'm embarrassed that you're looking at it. I should. Oh, (laughs) well, actually I saw, yeah, yeah, you, I think your last one was November of of last year. So not, not too long ago, but I think this one was from last fall of 2021. So, so not too long ago, but anyway, it was a play by play. You want to eat this grilled cheese sandwich 
but you had already had your heart set on this like steak and, and veggie type meal at home. And it was like literally to eat or not to eat. And so you walked the reader through this entire, I mean, it was, it was fascinating really. You walked the reader through this entire, you know, what was going on in your mind and to eat or not to eat and realize, Oh, I don't have to eat it now, but I can't eat it later or, or something like that. So yeah. it, was, it was fascinating. But anyway, anyone that wants to check that out, go to eatsimple.ca, scroll over blog and scroll down, find that, that particular blog. It's called effortless, effortless relationship with food. So um, Aaron, I, I know your time is short and I, I want to get to one more thing because I know you're an expert in, in a lot of these areas. So I know you're also quite well-versed in this idea of metabolism and metabolic reboot. Can you give our listeners a quick overview? How does eating play into metabolism and, and all of that stuff? And what are, you know, what is meta metabolic reboot, reboot again, without, you know, without giving all your secrets away? Mm -hmm. Well, the metabolic reboot specifically is just a group program that I run every uh, couple times a year, spring and fall. I'm running one right now, actually. Okay. It's fun. But, but metabolism is an area that I would say I specialize in it. Metabolism is simply the system of the body that figures out how to use fuel, whether it's using it, burning it or storing it or pulling it from storage, any of the fueling sort of um, activities, I guess. So it's the system of the body that does that. So metabolism for me was a pet project because I was pre-diabetic and that's a metabolic dysfunction. That's like the body doesn't remember how to use, you know, sugar properly or fuel properly. And it doesn't know how to use fat properly. Cause I was getting a lot of, I was gaining a lot of fat because my body forgot how to use it. And so I love, I love working with people who have obvious metabolic dysfunction, like pre-diabetes, insulin resistance, type two diabetes. It's super mm. fun for me, but there's also a link to the effortless relationship with food, because when you're metabolically broken and your body is very confused as to where to get the fuel, how to use the fuel, is the fuel coming? Like the body's just like kind of like panicking because it doesn't really know how to access the ample fuel that we have stored on our body. We, every single person listening here has tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of calories of stored fuel on the body. There's no reason why we should be like flying off the handle with these unmanageable, like crazy cravings and hangry symptoms. Like it just doesn't track. And so you think about like what makes a relationship with food effortful well, it's like unmanageable cravings, like crazy wild appetite swings, like just ravenous hunger. So when we can get the body really using fuel better, all of that quietens, appetite quietens, cravings quieten. There's nothing wrong with hunger, but hunger that presents as a whisper and not a roar is just way easier to live with. Like this grilled cheese sandwich example that I can't remember, but now it's ringing a bell. It's like, okay, mm, that would be yummy. It'd be yummy, but I have a beautiful steak at home and I'm not starving. I can wait till I get home. I can wait to, you know, for me, it's like when I feel hungry, I don't have to act immediately. I can make a sensible decision whenever it's convenient for me. And that's, that's a result of doing the metabolic work because my body will say, Hey, Aaron, we're getting a little hungry. And I'm like, sorry, I'm in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then it'll say, okay, no problem. We'll just, we'll just tap some stored fuel. We got some sugar. We got some fat. We got some ketones. You're good. Whenever you get a minute, whenever you get a minute, just, you know, we could use some fuel and I get to it when I get to it. And that, so there's a me metabolic, the, me the metabolism and the effortless relationship with food to me are so closely linked because people who are metabolically broken, they don't have well-managed hunger. And that's honestly one of their great struggles. They'll say to me, I would, I, I feel like I'd be at my goal weight. If I could only just stop my evening snacking habit, for example, and it's like, well, tell me about that. And it's like, well, after supper, I get so hungry and I need this snack. And it's like, well, let's just make you a little less hungry and see what happens. Again, folks at home can't see me, but Erin is also the lead instructor for our, for our primal health coaching class. And she's using some of the techniques uh, here that she's been teaching me. So I'm kind of smiling like, yeah, I know that technique. And 
and, and where it comes from. Uh, how how easy is it to reset or reboost your metabolism or, you know, can, is this something that can be done in a day, a week, or I know your program is what 30 days or something, or I think it is something like that. Yeah. The metabolic reboot is 30 days. Um, now the metabolic reboot is interesting because I teach a lot of stuff in that. Like I, I don't just teach metabolism stuff, but I'm also teaching like, um, self-kindness, self-compassion, some movement stuff. Like it's pretty, it's pretty all encompassing. But when I work with my one-on-one clients, um, there's a, there's an initial phase of our time together. We work together for eight weeks and the first three weeks is spent doubling down on like, let's get your metabolism praying like a kitten. I feel really confident that within three weeks, we can get you from zero to hero on metabolism. I don't think it even takes that long for some people. I mean, there's research in the type two diabetes realm, like some of the stuff that Verta health is doing with type two diabetics and they're using low carbon ketogenic diets, which I don't do personally, but just as an example, they're de-prescribing people off their insulin. Now this is, this is just an anecdote because type two diabetes is the ultimate expression of a broken metabolism, right? You're now diagnosed with a broken metabolism. That's essentially what it is. And you're taking insulin to help, you know, square peg round hole fuel into your dysfunctional insulin receptors. Anyway, they're able to get people uh, downgrading their insulin dosage in days, in days, like sometimes in 24 hours, they've halved people's insulin dosage. It's crazy to see how um, it's crazy, but also by the way, exciting and empowering to know that your metabolism is very elastic. So I always tell people this, when I get on the phone with folks on discovery calls, I say, whether you decide to work with me or not, I just want you to know that whatever's going on with your metabolism, your body's fueling system, it's easy to fix. It can be fixed. You're not destined to this forever. Um, And that's just like an empowering, empowering message. But to answer your question, I, I give it three weeks three weeks. And uh, it doesn't take that long. Yeah. And so anyone listening again, if you've got metabolic issues or you're thinking, you know, I just can't fix this or it's just not going to work for me. That's absolutely not true. It can be fixed. And, and Aaron is saying right now, you know, 21 days, which actually is not that long. That, that's a pretty mm-hmm. quick turnaround. Uh, Aaron, I, I want to be respectful of your time. And I want to, after we sign off, I want to kind of wrap up with you a little bit more off the air here, but uh, um, you've been great. Anything else that you'd like to share with our listeners about this whole effortless relationship with food or, or metabolism or anything that you haven't, haven't said already, you've given us a ton of good stuff. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, your listeners, are they, who are they? Are they ice cream lovers? Like what's their, what's their deal? They're couch to healthy. They're people that need to, yeah, restart their, and so it's the couch to healthy. That's my story. Um, how I began my health journey. And so there are people who are some sedentary, overweight, uh, some who are, well, not health, well, again, using the term healthy, not healthy eaters. But yeah, need a, need a reboot metabolically, need a re- reboot spiritually, need a reboot mentally, need a reboot physically. So, okay. Well, great. Cause couch to healthy, those are my faves. You're my favorite people. And the reason why couch to healthy is my favorite people is because well, I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but I just know what it feels like to be kind of at a rock bottom feeling like I don't have the energy, almost feeling checked out of life. Like I've let myself go in a manner of speaking, Mm -hmm. even though I tried my best to take care of myself, it just, my body didn't seem to want to play along. So I know what that feels like. And so I guess my message of empowerment is that very small changes make an enormous difference for folks who are at that point. And so even, you know, the eight simple rules, I I told you one, I told you answer hunger with a meal. I think even if you started that, and here's actually, 
just as a, a little sidebar anecdote, when I really decided to grab hold of my, my metabolic health, mm-hmm. after I had my pre-diabetes diagnosis, I also at that same time got into a bad car accident and oh, I couldn't, no. yeah, I couldn't stand or sit or walk. I had to lie down and uh, on the couch, I had to lie down and recover and lying on the couch. This is going to sound way sensationalistic, but lying on the couch with, I couldn't go to work. I couldn't go to the gym. I couldn't do anything. So I had a lot of time on my hands. I was reading and learning and just eating differently because I was learning and lying on the couch. I lost like my first five pounds of, of stubborn abdominal fat that had crept up over the years and lying on the couch. I felt my energy start to come back as I started to fuel my cells better. So, um, I'm talking about the couch because you mentioned the couch, but I do love to work with people who don't exercise, for example, just, just for example, because as a experienced fitness instructor, we told people just go in the gym, crush it out. You know, that's half the battle. And it really isn't your nutrition is orders of magnitude, more important than your exercises for, for any kind of health improvement or body recomposition exercise is awesome for fitness and strength. Okay. It's amazing, but you don't even have to do that. You could be on the couch, changing the way you eat, changing the way you engage with food, understanding how your body uses fuel, listening, trusting, respecting your body, and you'd make huge strides. Okay. Anyone listening, Erin is a great coach to work with. She can definitely help you. Don't think, you know, if you've been on the the on again, off again diets, I call it the wash, rinse, repeat, or some people call it the yo-yo. Um, and you think nothing works. No, absolutely not true. Erin, Erin can definitely set you up. Eat simple dot. Yeah, I cannot talk today. Eatsimple.ca is her website. You can get a hold of her there. Uh, it absolutely is possible. I'm kind of living proof. I won't go into my journey or my story, obviously, but I've been through a lot of what you talk, you talk about here, Aaron. So thank you so much again, Aaron. I super appreciate your time and your being here. Uh, definitely. In fact, we'd love to have you on again sometime. There's a whole different uh, niches we could go down here with the, with a lot of different things that you said, uh, especially about the body dys- dysmorphia. I would love to, to talk with you about that someday. I know I've worked with a ton of clients and athletes over the years where that that's a huge issue. So uh, again, thanks to everyone for listening at home. This is Coach Brad. Until next time, saying be well, be safe, be happy, eat ice cream. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next time. This has been a production of the Be Well, Be Safe, Be Happy, Eat Ice Cream podcast. For more information, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash be well, be safe, be happy, eat ice cream, or on Instagram, training with Coach Brad.